0: In this episode, we welcome our guest Susan Engel, owner of The Crone's Nest. Christy and Susan serve the tea about what it means to be the crone, how that often means becoming a caregiver, and how women can nurture themselves in the midst of supporting a loved one. Welcome to Starlight Tea, where we're serving the tea for living a magically creative life. I'm Christy Cook. And I'm Belinda Boring. Starlight Tea Podcast, a member of the Once Upon a Podcast Network, is brought to you by Of Starlight and Moonbeams. A team of authors and creators whose goal is to bring more magic and creativity to life like the stars and the moon our mission is to share our light in the darkness guiding others to discover their own light to shine forth to to receive notifications of new episodes of starlight tea and new issues of moonbeams magazine as well as exclusive gifts and offerings be sure to subscribe to our newsletter at of starlightandmoonbeams.com So sadly, Belinda is under the weather today, so this is Christy doing this episode alone, except I won't be completely alone because we have a guest today, which I'm so excited about. We'll introduce her in a minute, but first I will just share what's in my cup because it's just me. And as usual, I have water and I am drinking out of my fancy water bottle that has each hour delineated on it so that you get your water in within 12 hours. So it's pretty cool. One of my favorites and what I take to work every day. Let's see. In my life cup, I am working on the magazine. I am so excited for the August issue of Moonbeams Magazine. It is our Magical Beast special edition. So we are bringing you articles and card spreads and kinds of fun stuff that have a lot to do with all those magical fantastical beasts as well as those animals in our actual real world who bring magic into our lives so we will be bringing that out to you very shortly and that's what's in my cup This episode of Starlight Tea is brought to you by author Brenda Hassey, who writes young adult and romantic suspense books. You can find her website at brendahassebooks.com, and we'll drop that in the show notes. There is always something fun and magical going on in the world, and with a starlight and moonbeams. Subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly news, updates on our offerings, and exclusive gifts and promo codes for our shop. You can also hit the subscribe or follow button on your app to queue up new episodes as soon as they drop and follow us on the socials. Find everything through our new link tree in the show notes. Also, please consider leaving a review or a comment, something that lets other listeners know what you liked about the episode so they can tune in too. Okay, so this week we welcome our guest Susan Engel, a retired palliative nurse who now dedicates her time to changing the perception of death for the one who is facing it, for the caregiver feeling lost, and the professionals called to do this work. Now, I met Susan in Sistership Circle last year. We were in the group together where we got to meet each other every week and learn what it how to hold circle in a very different way than we've ever been trained before and so we we bonded pretty tightly with our group there and she is a magazine reader and she is a member of our luminary circle now and we're very happy to have her with us and so today we're going to have her talk about what she does so first of all susan why don't you just give a little bit more introduction about um, your background, what you do now, how you got into it.
1: Thank you, Christy. It's such an honor to be a part of your group, for sure. Um, My journey started out, everybody has a story, of course. My journey started out um, when I was an RN, and I was a surgical nurse on the floor, and some of my patients were dying, and I couldn't be with them. I was hanging blood. I was doing all kinds of other things. And so I started a program where I would train volunteers to sit at the bedside of patients. And it was my introduction into the energetics that we bring to the bedside. And so I learned that certain exercises would bring awareness to the volunteers about their inner energy and how that affected the patient. So for instance, I would have folks sit with one another and one person would speak and the other would just listen and just be present in that moment and the one person would speak and talk about for three minutes an event in their life that was a turning point for them and the other person would not say a word she would just sit there and hold space i didn't realize at the time that that is sacred space Mm -hmm. And so it was so revolutionary that people came to the understanding that without saying a word, they were affecting someone else. Mm -hmm. And so I held support groups for caregivers of patients with dementia diagnoses. And there, again, the energetics came into play. If you were having a bad day as a nurse and you came into a patient's room who had a dementia diagnosis, they could actually pick up and feel that and react to it. So it was really fascinating for me. After I retired, I started to do my own self-care. All the advice I had given so many caregivers, I figured, you know, it's time for me. And so I just had, for some reason, the universe, of course, just had crossed my path the idea of women's circles and how incredibly powerful they were. The vulnerability, the sacred witness for each other, not giving any feedback unless you really wanted it, but being able to speak out your own truth and having that energy, feeling that energy and where that energy is on your body. And is it true energy? Where is it coming from? Is this from something that happened in the past, and then we could heal that energy and release that energy. And that became an avenue to become instrument of care, I call it, where you can be completely open for the person that you're caring for. But it does take practice and it does take work. And so I developed these women's circles, knowing from research and statistics and all, that most women care for somebody else. And we don't care for ourselves that well. Mm-hmm. And in a caregiver role, whether you're a mother, whether you're taking care of a, an ill person, it can be life transforming instead of being a hook to kill you. <laughs> To spiral you into a depression that um, affects you on a cellular level, which is so interesting. That depression can lead into so many illnesses. So that always my goal is to not only have these breakthrough aha moments, but have a transformative time. However, it does take dedication and devotion and commitment.
0: Yeah. I absolutely love just everything you just said. and. I can feel your energy and your dedication to this. My first question is, have you always been energetically sensitive? Because it sounds like you were doing this way back, you know, talking about energy and sitting with people and just holding space. And you you said, you know, you didn't even realize at the time that that was sacred space. But you knew there was something energetic going on there. Have you always been in tune to your energy body and to the idea of us all each having an energy body and how that, you know, is affected by the outside world, and how we affect others. I mean, has that been in your, your world and your life for a long time? Or was that something that you stumbled upon? Or how did you kind of get into that part of it?
1: I think I discovered the energetics, even through a mediumship course that I took years ago, just to feel the different sensations. Yes, I guess I've always been sensitive towards that, an empath for sure. Mm And I've been whacked around as an empath, for sure, (laughs) because empaths, oh, my goodness, we sponge everything, you know, and try Mm -hmm. to fix everything. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so being in the stage of life that I'm in now, I have the wisdom to understand what's mine and what's yours. Mm (laughs) And I am only responsible for, oh, what's mine? It's, yeah. And that is so freeing. And that's the <laughs> message that I want to get out to so many people who are caregivers. The things that I did not realize for so many years. Because you can learn the techniques of taking care of someone. You can learn the practicality. You can learn what to do and who to contact and re- referrals and all of that. But this goes far beyond. This is this is so spiritual mm-hmm. that it... Goes beyond any foundation of religion, mm-hmm. and I feel that this is a time because um, people like you, that Matt beautiful, I feel women are rising up now. We are being called for a healing mission. I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's why so many of us are going within and doing the work. We have a drive for it. We, I mean, we just wouldn't be happy if we weren't doing it. I mean, I've listened to some of your podcasts and you're saying, I love what I do. <laughs> I mean, we're just driven. And I believe that it's because of the divine feminine. And that's where I find my guidance now through that.
0: Yeah. yeah, same here. And I agree with you. There is, you hear people refer to it as an awakening. I think it's a reawakening of the divine feminine. And she's been shut down and closed off and hidden in the deep, deep, deep darkness. And she's saying no more. And we're so many of us are starting to feel it. And as we feel it and we're sharing it, others are starting to say, hey, I'm feeling something here. And it, it's becoming a domino and a ripple effect, which is amazing. We do need it. I love that you're doing it for caregivers. Going back to that, um, most caregivers are women and it is a very difficult role. My aunt, she was a caregiver for her fiance who had ALS and mm. you know, she was only in her 40s at the time and throughout that whole process, I mean, I hate to say it and I hope if she hears that it's not meant <laughs> Say insult, but I could see her aging just right in front of us, you know, going through this. And she did really well. I mean, they were still very active and everything, but I know other caregivers don't. And depression is a very, very real thing. I believe I remember, and you can probably do better with any statistics or confirmation of this, that caregivers actually have a very high rate of mortality as in that caregiver role. Because like you said, they're not taking care of themselves. So I think this is a beautiful offering that you provide of supporting that part. Yeah, they might have all of the instructions and, you know, all of the tips and techniques for how to care for somebody, how to manage the whole process and everything, but who's giving care for them? You know, who's providing that to their soul and their heart? It's not just, you know, even someone coming in and saying, okay, go sleep. Yeah, they probably do need sleep. But sometimes our exhaustion is not just physical, it's emotional, it's soul level exhaustion, and we need that um, spiritual uplifting. So I really love that. Your business is called The Crone's Nest. And I, I love the name of that. That is That is just great. You want to talk a little bit about a lot of our listeners might be new to all of the terminology and, you know, what is meant by mother, maiden, crone. And so we've talked about it some, but for those who might not know, if you want to give a little bit more detail about what is the crone stage of life, or at least how do you see it?
1: Yes. Thank you for asking. In our society today, if you look up the word crone, it's the old hag, it's the ugly old woman, Mm -hmm. but spiritually... A crone is the wise woman. There's what I think of as my trinity, the, the three goddesses. And that's the, the different phases that a woman goes through in her life. And it's the maiden, which is obvious, and then the mother, and then the crone. And they say that a crone is, you know, during menopause. But I feel like the crone now um, in society and for thousands of years actually, has been put down, has been pushed Mm -hmm. aside as, you know, not knowing. There's been no uh, revering her or honoring her, but that's changing, I believe. That must change because Mm -hmm. this is part of our mother. This is part of our nature. This is our calling, and I think that it's so exciting that women are learning to go within and finding the treasures that they hold. For instance, our intuition, that's innate, but we don't develop it. We all have it, but we don't develop it, but we need it, especially now mm-hmm. in this society. You don't know what's true and what's not. Anytime you believe, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But women now, after thousands of years of being under the patriarchal hierarchy, are learning. That this is our time that we must step up into our fullness, I would say, in order to heal our world. It's going to be the mothers, in particular, um, like through the school systems, Mm -hmm. to protect your children when we don't feel like certain, maybe, medical things are in the best interest of our children. It's mothers and grandmothers I see who are stepping up and protecting our families, and our community, and ultimately the world. Plus, there's so many circles now forming. Women are getting together and understanding. I see them in all these classes on intuition and spiritual development, understanding the treasures that they hold. And you cannot learn that and just hold it for yourself You because you're all doing it in circles, right? So Mm -hmm. it's a collective consciousness coming into fruition. And I believe that as I have a book that says The Millionth Circle, once we Mm -hmm. hit that millionth circle, there will be a huge shift in our world because it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter where you live in the world. If you're a woman, you go through the stage of being a maiden, you go through the stage of being a mother, and you go through the stage of being a crone. And we are the nurturers of this earth. We are part of nature. Now, in my religious foundation, which was Christian, to be uh, natural was to be kind of evil. It was like, oh, the Mm -hmm. natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, which is a scripture that they always hampered up. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding so thankfully that this is not the case. We are the answer. We are nature. And we are called upon now to step up. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I agree. And I think that my beliefs have come to, you know, as I become more aware and more observant, and noticing that all those things that we were taught were bad are actually medicine. And, you know, I think that our creator wants us to be natural, wants us to be in nature, wants us, I mean, that is to me, that's the ultimate church. First of all, that's the ultimate sacred space. How can you connect with divine creator and source of all in a building? I mean, yeah, you can, it's spiritual and there's energy and everything, but how much closer can you be when you're out with your feet in the grass or the dirt and surrounded by the other creatures that have been created by the divine? I mean, yeah. So one thing that I I kind of want to clarify because I, I'm just going to say that the maiden mother crone, yes, there are st- life stages, but also for people to understand that we are, embody all of them at the same time.
1: Yes, absolutely. They are
0: archetypes and one might be stronger in in us at any given time. But, you know, there are times when you are a teenager, or a young woman, maybe you're the big sister or, you know, maybe mom's ill or something and you take on the mother role. There are times, you know, when you're younger that you have wisdom to share and you take on the crone role. And then, you know, as we get older, there are times that you're still learning. Hopefully you're still learning, you know, because that's what we're supposed to do. And you feel like the maiden. You feel, you know, like you don't have a lot of wisdom in a certain area. So there's the life cycle that goes from maiden to mother to crone. But at the same time, we all are in the, we all hold each of those energies at any given time.
1: A hundred percent. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then something else that I've really been working with lately as I've been developing, I'm in the works of developing a new program, and I'd love to get your input on this as an expert with the elderly and working with caregivers, working with crones. I feel like partly because, um, well, it's a lot mostly to do with how our society has evolved and where we are now that you know we work a lot longer than we used to we live a lot longer than we used to. And so I feel like there's been this area between mother and crone that because like I, I'm going through menopause right now, and I don't feel quite like the crone yet. There's some things, yes, that's why <laughs> I started the magazine, that's why we started the podcast. There are definitely, you know, wisdom, there's definitely wisdom that I've gained that I want to share. But also I don't quite quite feel like I'm in that, you know, just sit back and share the wisdom and not do anything else. I'm still have energy to create things and like a business or a new aspect of my business. But my kids are all out of the house. You know, I'm not doing they're all grown up. And part of our society now, we don't live in close knit, family centers like we used to, you know, whether it's in the same house or just at least the same town. I mean, my kids are scattered. They're all over the world, actually. So I've been working with this thought of the queen in between there. And, you know, you go from the your main mother stage of raising kids, getting settled into your career, and then there's this kind of change that Comes along with menopause. um, Comes along in your forties. You know, there's that whole realization of, okay, what now? Like, I've been doing all of this, you know, conforming to the patriarchy and conforming to capitalist society and hustling and doing my thing. But now that the kids are out of the house and I have a little space to breathe, there's got to be more to life than just you know beating the, the the same drum. And so that's kind of where I see the queen come in who has some wisdom and has this experience she's gained, but she still has this energy to really give to the world in bigger ways before she's ready to wind down and be the retired grandma who gets to enjoy that phase of life. So what what do you think about that? And does that, how would that, kind of work into like what you see in the real world with women who are in their 50s and they're maybe even in their late 40s or 50s maybe and into their 60s who are might be forced into caregiving or forced into crone roll or what would you like to uh put in there what's <laughs> your wisdom there
1: oh girl you put me on the spot there <laughs> Well, I always think of the wild woman, too, because when I first retired and I get together with my friends and we're, you know, late 50s, 60s, you know, going into 70s, we're pretty wild. So there's a wild woman (laughs) in there, too. Yeah. And I love the fact that you bring up there's so many different archetypes for women and that we can embody those archetypes by thinking of their energy and manifesting that, you know. And I Mm -hmm. love that, that you say the queen. Indeed. Indeed, some people might not feel like a queen for sure, you know. Yeah. It's a good archetype, no doubt. Yeah. And it's and it's true for you at this time, but some may feel like, you know, that they're still pretty trodden down, you know, beat down.
0: Yeah. And that's I think this energy that we're all feeling. We we feel beat down because we've been trying to conform to a structure that we don't fit in. Yes. And I think with the women's circles, like you said, wild women, you know, that you you finally feel like your true self is coming out and you can really be your authentic person in the world, not just hiding or suppressing her or, you know, keeping her away out of the public eye where she's like a guilty pleasure. Now, you know, it's just like, you don't, give a shit anymore <laughs> about what people think.
1: Oh, yeah, know? girl, it's like, fun. You're beyond that.
0: <laughs> and so, yeah, you just, you, you have that wild woman part too. I love that. Mm-hmm.
1: I love and that. it's only fun, really, when you have other women to enjoy that together with. You know, That's when it's yeah. really fun and you feel very supported. It's I think it's hard for a woman to go it alone. Um, and I found that in circles too. i feel very empowered in a circle. And I'm so thankful to be a part of your circle because going at it alone is very, I don't think that's our nature to do so. Um, I mean, we, for eons, worked together, raised our children together back in the ancient days, you know, we're, we're used to being together. And you know um through my life i found sometimes there are some men who don't like women to be together and i think yeah. that it's kind of um interesting phenomena really that there's like a jealousy or something because boy when we are together i really believe there's no stopping women when we are together on a mission yeah mm-hmm. we'll and die first <laughs> easy yeah. easy choice i
0: i think um that's right there, the reason why we've been separated is because women together can be powerful and that is threatening. That can be threatening to those in power who know that maybe they really shouldn't be <laughs> or know that they're taking advantage of, you know, the the disadvantaged and yes. the needy and the suppressed. And so, yeah, it, it's a true or a true threat. You know, I know. When I was younger, a younger woman in my 20s and we'd go out for girls night and, you know, the husbands were always making the joke, no, you guys be good out there. Don't get into trouble or, you know, I'm not going to bail you out or or here's my number two bail you out, whatever, you know, that it was always this comment, like automatically teasing us, mocking us like we were going to go out and just, you know, be crazy wild women. And sometimes we were. But mm-hmm. we stayed, we didn't get in trouble. I mean, the, t- the times that I got called by the police compared to the times that the husband did, I mean, it's like zero to I don't even know how many times.
1: But, you know, <laughs> it,
0: it was just a mock. It was it was a joke. You yes. know, like, you know, women can't handle themselves if they're together. And that's there's just no honor there.
1: Me. We have not been yeah. honored or respected or mm-hmm. it, they do not acknowledge the magic, as you call it. And the power that we have. However, I do find that there are some men popping up now who are gathering together to find out what is a true man? What are mm-hmm. the characteristics of a good man? Because I love and honor and respect a good man. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Someone mm-hmm. who is protective, who's respectful, um, and who allows me to flow in my right. magic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think there's hope for us. I think the tide is turning.
0: Yes, I do too. Uh, we kind of went a little off. Oh, sorry. Topic there. And no, that's fine. I it's it's natural and organic, so I love it. Um, but let's come back. Okay, so what do you do in this respect of supporting women in circles and in coaching? I know you do some coaching. What what kind of um, what do you offer? caregivers and other women who might be in their crone years, maybe they're not caregivers for other people, maybe it's for other things, or, you know, whatever they're doing in their lives right now. But what, what, how do you support women in this? Area? Okay,
1: my main focus is to help women go within. And there's so many different ways. There's what I teach is I teach a mantra, which is a, a repetitive, sacred word that, you know, they copy over and over and over and over. But if you exercise it mentally, it will create an automatic pause when you need it. So that's one avenue that I teach to go within, because we need that pause. Sometimes we start Mm -hmm. to get emotional, or we're finding a situation we don't like, or we don't know how to react, that we can go into the mantra in our brain, stop the monkey business, the monkey talk, and uh, just take that pause. So it's tools like that tools to go within another thing that I do is imaginistic painting and that came Mm -hmm. about because um I I live in western New York and our winters are very long and they're very dark and I didn't want to go on antidepressants I don't really like taking medication and so I just started painting I had an easel up all the time and I would get messages through my painting like um One of the messages was I would start to paint and it wouldn't look good to me. And so the message to me was, in this moment, you have a choice. If you don't like it, change it. Make it the way you do like it. And so I would just do that. And then eventually I would get a painting that would be kind of interesting. I would wonder where it came from in my imagination Mm -hmm. and then kind of analyze it. And I've done that with caregivers. And it's been kind of eye-opening, some of the symbols that'll come through or Images that'll come through and we'll get a chance to talk about it. And then, uh, of course, being in a group together, going inward uh, through meditation, through visualization, through sacred music, through drumming, anything to go within, anything to have that experience, that quietness. Caregivers, I want them to be able to have just a few hours if possible. A week, just to go within and be quiet and have that sacred silence, because that's where the message is. That's where our guidance is, our peace mm-hmm. is. Uh, they can't do it all the time, granted, but you know, with little tools like a mantra, they can have a little pause. And I try to get folks to do little things for themselves, like first thing in the morning, drink sixteen ounces of water, because we know water, water is just amazing, and that's a whole other topic. But, you know, just little things like that, the simple things that will help them not only press through their day, but make it richer for themselves and for their, you know, others, we'll say.
0: Mm-hmm. The person they're caring for. And how have you been able to witness a change or do they witness a change? I mean, can they see how working with you and practicing these techniques, what a difference it's making in their lives and in their their caregiving?
1: Yes. Well, especially with the mantra, because some of these techniques I used in as a nurse in my uh, support group that I had for like 10 years. And so even after the patient would pass away, the caregivers would come and say, I'm still using my mantra. I'm still mm-hmm. meditating, you know. And um, I have some re- uh, recommendations on my website, too of uh, caregivers who I had 10 years ago who have written statements that you know it was a life-changing experience. Yeah. And it certainly it's not me. It's right. being the open vessel. It's just being the instrument for source. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Do you work with transitioning patients as well?
1: Oh, Do indeed. You, are you
0: involved with that? Okay. Yes. I've had an interest in that. What got you into that? I know probably nursing as a yes. nurse, you were pulled into that. But what was the shift from, and you kind of talked about this, but maybe you have something more to add to it, from the nursing, skilled nursing, you know, providing the healthcare and everything mm-hmm. to the support, uh, the spiritual support of the transition process mm-hmm. and for the patient and the family members. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, my first um, encounter with death was um, when I was 16, and my mother died of cancer before there was hospice. So she was home. And what did I know? She smelled Mm. horrible. She looked yellow. She was in my bedroom, you know, so I was displaced. (laughs) And I just wanted to have fun. I was 16. Mm -hmm. But my mother gave me the gift of sharing with me, well, number one, her grandmother came to visit her, her grandmother who had passed. So she had that visitation before she passed and she wasn't really afraid. And so that was kind of interesting to me too. So that was my first encounter. So I was always interested in death and dying. I read everything. I read Raymond Moody, Life After Life. Um, You know, I got into palliative care at quite a young age because there was a nurse who came to visit my mother from our church and I'll never forget it. Her name was Jerry Northcote. And she came in and my mother was in so much pain and they couldn't control the pain and she was hallucinating and it was just horrific. And I'm trying to help her. And so uh, this nurse came in and she sat with my mother for about an hour. And when she left, my mother was transformed. My mother was at peace. My mother was not afraid. And I think she gave my mother sacred space and love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wanted to do that. And so that started my journey, really.
0: Oh, that's powerful. That is powerful, and especially at such a young age.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At that age, we think we're invincible. Then we see, you know, someone so close to us, such as a parent. And it's scary because it's, you know, you, you don't really... You shouldn't have to think about it at that age, first of all. You shouldn't have to go through that. But it is part of the life cycle and part of being human, being you know a divine being in a human body. That's what we're here to experience are things like that and then to learn from it and take it forward, which you, it sounds like you're doing so beautifully.
1: Oh, thank it's you. so interesting. It's all about really self-actualization, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. when you come down, well, even me, of course, I know that this is my final stage, and that's perfectly fine. So I want to make sure that I have done the work. I want to make Mm -hmm. sure that that everybody that I love knows that I love them. I want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I need to do while I'm here so that when I pass over, I'm going to be... I really can't wait, honestly. (laughs) I mean, it's going to be so fabulous. I can't wait to see who comes for me. You know, Mm -hmm. none of us want to be in pain. That's the thing. Right. the fear... I have none because yeah. I feel like I've been to the veil and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's not as mysterious. It's not scary. None of that. It's like stepping out of your skin. I feel like I've already been there to tell you the truth. <laughs> you and know? you
0: have. Yeah. <laughs> That's my belief. If you have. We all have. And yeah. we're just returning.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 But- Yeah, Yeah. so Um, that's what I want to do more of too, because our society is very hush hush with death and dying. We shut it off. We try to intubate everybody, get everybody to live to a thousand. You know, it's just ridiculous. So a good death is very—it's a very good thing to help people do, not kill them. Let's say no,
0: (laughs) no. but just supporting their their spirit from the physical to back to the spiritual realm. And I think it sounds beautiful. I have not witnessed that in this lifetime anyway but i am drawn to it and you know i i think it's so important that we provide that for the person who is transitioning as well as for their family to understand that this yes you're going to miss them and they're you're going to
1: feel that loss but let's bring in tradition or tradition and ritual and the mm-hmm. other things that we talk about in circle for the family, for the person who yeah. is dying. So yeah. important and powerful.
0: Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's just such a more beautiful way than, like you said, plugging them into machines and then just leaving them in the room by themselves. I mean, that's just inhumane <laughs> to me, you know. I know my grandmother, she was in hospice at the hospital, but she insisted she go home. And my aunt was with her and my aunt was is more experienced in this because after caring for her fiance, she went into caring for my grandmother. And I wasn't able to be here physically, but she called us. She called, you know, she got on the phone and said, "Okay, it's time to say goodbye. And she could hear us. And she made it as beautiful and supportive as she could by herself at like three in the morning. I mean, that's when I got the phone call, you know, it was the middle of the night. And Mm. now, you know, I think about it now and I'm like, gosh, I wish I knew then what I know now. I wish I had the experience then to be able to be a part of that. And because grandma was she was fearful of death. Mm. So it was on her end, it was a difficult experience for her, and it didn't need to be. And I think that's just what we're conditioned to believe that death is scary, it's taboo, you don't talk about it. And but it's it's just part of the cycle. And you know, the more we can revere it and respect it and give it the ritual and the sacred attention that it deserves, the better everybody is you know, making that transition. It's just like any other life change. The more supported you are through it, the easier and even more blessed it can feel as you're going through it and realizing that, okay, yes, this is a transition. It's just a change. And it it's not that scary end <laughs> that we've been taught that it is. That's true. So I have to ask you, do you have Scorpio in your chart? <laughs>
1: I I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is I'm a Cancer, um, and okay. I I follow Jackie when I can. Okay. I get on there, yeah, because it's so fascinating to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Jackie is
1: amazing.
0: Yeah. But Scorpio is that sign. I'm I'm a Scorpio Moon, and it's that sign that likes to go in the really deep dark taboo areas and death is just a, it's an, a topic that people with a lot of Scorpio energy are just drawn to so I was just curious about that
1: I wonder I'll have to have my chart done.
0: yes because I and love that you should, topic. and you should have Jackie do it
1: <laughs> I amazing. will I will she's wonderful
0: <laughs> before we wrap up I want to know more about the painting so you, you talk a little bit about what you do but you also offer this as a do you do it in circle or yes. is it just okay Okay, tell us about it.
1: Well, it's actually like having a circle. We have a container, a very safe container. And so nobody, I mean, it's very confidential. Uh, We do a ritual and we do a meditation. And what I usually use in circle is a black canvas with white paint Mm. um, and black and white paint. So if you make a mistake, you can easily correct. Mm -hmm. And they come out quite lovely actually, because you only have really, I mean, my circles would be like two hours. So you only have maybe 45 minutes. And then because everyone is pretty in tuned to their intuition and, you know, training in tarot or whatever, if you would like them, someone will do a reading for you, which is kind of oh, fascinating too.
0: It's fascinating. So do you have them paint a certain scene? Like Almost like paint and sip kind
1: of oh, painting mm-hmm. parties,
0: or okay, or do you you just have them paint what is coming forth, bubbling up for them?
1: Mm-hmm. I have the black canvas, and in the left hand corner, I have them paint the moon, so a white okay. circle, and for me, that's the portal. Mm-hmm. And then I just have them start something like a tree, and just start with strokes and see what happens. Okay. Beforehand, we do have a meditation, and um, through that visualization, sometimes people. Are triggered into painting whatever they paint. Right, right. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm fascinated by that. I want to do that sometime. I yeah, that you should would, do it, it on your own like,
1: even. Mm-hmm.
0: It sounds. I've done it on my own. Have I've you? done, um, yeah, kind of that ritualistic because I am not a visual artist. I can write. Mm-hmm. I can actually computer visual arts. Like I do the magazine layouts. Right? I, know, I can do that. Great. I can do the graphics, but um, actually painting or drawing, it I. I know I'm not supposed to judge, but my work looks like I did it when I was five years old, not 50 years old. You That's not my strength.
1: If you had a little space in your place and just set up a canvas to, and never move it, and then just sit there whenever. And if you don't like something, change it. You'd be amazed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might take a month, but who cares?
0: I love that idea. Yeah, yeah, I bought some canvases and a little stand, and oh, a couple of times I haven't done it a lot, but a couple of times I've put on the music, I've sat in meditation, and then just started painting just because I felt like painting. Like I said, I'm no good at it. I don't know what I'm doing. I know absolutely no techniques or Me anything. Neither. But that wasn't the goal. It was just to put paint on the canvas, and it was very cathartic. I really enjoyed it. It was exactly what I needed at the time. But I love that idea of just putting. In, you know, keeping it up all the time and then changing what you feel like needs to be changed.
1: I would get a message every time I sat, even though my painting mm-hmm. wasn't completed. Yeah. I found mm-hmm. it to be a really good tool to go in.
0: I love that. So listeners, for those of you, especially if you have a hard time just sitting and meditating um, in the traditional sense that we think of meditation, we often teach that, um, or I don't want to say teach, but we talk about you know how creativity is magic and whether you're good at it or not is not the point whether it's to show anybody else or if it's just for your joy you know it's it's more about the latter it's 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 for you and it's a way for you to connect into your own magic to your own intuition your own wisdom and you never know what's going to come out and that's the the fun part of it and yeah, I, I really love that idea. We're we're really big around here about talking about keeping your cup overflowing so you can serve from the saucer. And that's actually where the name Starlight Tea came from, talking about teacups. And so it sounds like everything that you offer other people is in that vein of keeping your cup overflowing, especially for caregivers because their cups can just run dry so quickly. And so it's really important for that. I, I am so appreciative of the work that you do and you bring
1: to the world. I can. Thank you, sister. I just I, love you to pieces. I think you're a shining <laughs> star. And I just am thrilled to be in your, in your group for sure.
0: Oh, oh, thank you. The feeling is so mutual. So I want to ask you, what does magic mean to you?
1: Magic means to me um, the invisible, really. And I think that we bring the invisible to fruition. I think we we manifest. Of course, we're the creatrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's a woman's magic is the creation from our imagination, from source. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's magic for me.
0: Okay. So to wrap things up, how can our listeners find you? What is your uh, current offering maybe you want to put out there? Or, you know, tell us how they can find you on the Internet, especially those because we are reaching around the world. So what what can you share with them that they can find you? And-
1: Thank you so much. Yes, my website is www.cronesnest.net. And so I'll spell that for you. It's C R O N E S. N-E-S-T dot net. And all of my offerings are there. And um, I have in-person, but I also have Zoom. And I have private consultation. And I offer 30 minutes of no-charge connection just to see if I'm able to help you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just to give space for 30 minutes, um, just go on my website. And uh, there's a place to contact me. And uh, just leave me your email address and I'll get back to you to schedule a time together.
0: Okay, perfect. We will put Susan's website in the show notes as well so you listeners can find it easily. Okay, so this is the time that we do our starburst, And I didn't get a chance to ask Belinda what hers is. I don't think she was feeling well at all. So I'm going to say her starburst right now is her bed. <laughs> and so mine is I'm going to shoot out a starburst for Sistership Circle because that's where Susan and I met. And Sistership Circle is an organization that teaches and supports and guides Women in creating women's circles and how to hold that space, how to create those connections, how to bring the sacred and the divine into the space. And if you're interested at all in starting your own circles, whether it's just with your girlfriends or making it part of your sacred business, bringing it into your community, I I highly recommend the training from Sistership Circle. It it was definitely my First foray into offering circle and gave me such a solid foundation to build on from there. So that is my Starburst. Okay, thank you so much for joining us for this cuppa Please come back next Wednesday when we'll be serving the tea on another deliciously magical topic. You can find Starlight Tea on Spotify, Apple, Good Pods, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Player FM. And in the meantime, be sure to follow us at Starlight Tea Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and one of these days, TikTok. And if you have a question or a topic suggestion, feel free to DM us or email hello at starlightteapodcast.com. We hope you'll join us next week, and in the meantime, remember to keep your teacup overflowing so you can serve from the saucer. Now go make some magic.